episode nine, The CEO Journey. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. Sharing the adventure of leading and growing a bootstrap SaaS company. Hear the experiences, challenges, wins, and losses shared in each episode. From Aaron Wykey of GatherUp and Darren Shaw of Whitespark. Let's go. Welcome to the SaaS Venture Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Darren. And we are back in front of a microphone sharing uh, our business secrets, our love secrets, everything uh, in between and, and making them public so that we can uh, share them with our listeners. And and if anything, sometimes it's probably uh, uh, cathartic and healing and, and everything else, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. I, I have not yet shared any love secrets, so I'm not sure where you're going with that, but uh, <laughs> maybe a future episode. I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to keep things broad all the time, right? Broad, yeah, because you know we never know what we're going to talk about. Yeah, no. If this turns into like a relationship podcast on you know how you and I get along and our friendship and being there for each other and everything else, I mean that we we could pivot, right? Like. Software is all about pivoting at different times. It really is. Yeah. And I think we should definitely keep that in our back pocket. <laughs> all right. All right. So with that, we'll both uh, get up off the Davenport and uh, attempt to uh, talk at a few different topics uh, today, especially the the, the deeper um, content we want to get into on kind of yep. the, the CEO journey. We, we have a, a lot to cover there. We will probably once again have a hard time keeping ourselves to, you know, 40 minutes uh, but hopefully the the content is appreci- appreciated. But what uh, what what have you been up to since our last episode on on churn a few weeks ago, Darren? What have I been up to? Well, um, we've we've talked about this uh, local search service a number of times, and uh, how we're re- pivoting that. Actually, speaking of pivoting into a Google My Business management service, and so we're I hired someone new for that because basically Allie is my primary person that is running that service and she's at capacity. So we need to hire and so we can't really launch it until we have new people hired and trained and ready to do the service. So I hired Sydney. She worked with us, with us in the past. She's pretty awesome. And so she started yesterday and I put out a job posting too. And so we're just trying to get the people in place to be able to service the service because we have a waiting list of 30 people that are interested already. So I don't even like, honestly, I worry that we might never even launch the landing page because we'll just keep picking people off the waiting list because the waiting list seems to be growing faster than we can hire and train people to build the service up. So it's very interesting to me that uh, there's that much interest in the service. I think it's going to be very successful for us. And I think we've dialed in our processes really well. So the next thing to dial in is hiring and training and scaling it up. So I'm excited about that. That's big for us for sure. That's awesome to have that type of demand. That part has to feel really good. It feels great. And I think it's like, you know, one, I had read a tweet or someone, some luminary of, of the modern age had tweeted that the biggest uh, success factor for companies is not really product or anything. It's timing. And so having the right product at the right time that people need. And I feel like that's precisely what we're doing with this service. So I'm excited about that. And I know there's competition out there, but it's early stages. We have a great reputation that we've built up in this space. And so I think we're really well positioned to to do well with the service. I'm interested. You seem to be very comfort 
comfortable in like um, productized services and, and things like that where I'm, I mean, the whole reason, not the whole reason, but one of the reasons I got into SaaS after, you know, well over a decade in agency is I wanted to get away from services and I yeah. wanted to be strictly product focused, but yep. you, you have a good comfort level with that, but yet, man, I would be really, I would be frustrated right now. Like really, I got to wait on services to get this awesome new thing launched. Totally. And like if it was software, you just flip the switch. Okay, sign up, yeah. everybody. And so yeah. that, there, is a, there is something beautiful with that. There are two types of services. There is a complex agency SEO service where every case is different and everyone's got different needs and some clients are more of a hassle than others. Same thing with something like web design where you're building out a website. There's just so many, so many touch points with the client that it's really hard to scale that. And what I have found is with a very simple, streamlined, one thing type of service, so citation building, for example, it scales really well. It's like, this is what it is. You, you, you buy it, you, you basically get a product, really. It's a very specific thing. And there's not a lot of back and forth. There's not too, much, uh, not too many questions about it, right? And so everyone gets the same thing. And that's where the pivot happened, actually, because I had turned the local search service into something more complicated than it needed to be, which opened the floodgates for all of that, like different clients and oh, do, how do we handle practitioner listings and just lots of complication. So scaling it back to just this really helps us to build something that's scalable. And so I am comfortable with this as a productized service, but I totally hear you on just services in general. They can be a real pain in the ass and very hard to scale. Yeah, well, good for you. You you are a braver man than I am, and to totally, <laughs> not not nothing wrong with it. Not not in my wheelhouse of of fit right now. But yep. um, how how is it right? You said you're you're posting, and I know this for I've talked a number of episodes on you know hiring and uh, especially for sales positions, which I'll give an update on, and we're continuing to do. Um, but uh, in talking before the podcast, you you kind of have. Um, you know, a, a few little tips for people in in hiring and posting to to job boards. So yeah, this uh, this job posting, I actually forgot to do it when I first launched the job posting. I put out, uh, so I post the job, and I had done this last time, but we use Indeed.ca. I think obviously there's an Indeed.com, but yep. uh, we post our jobs to Indeed. And so we get a flood of applications and most people, they just press the button to apply through Indeed. I have a very specific note that says how to apply. And it says, um, you know, include your resume and cover letter. And it says, and email it to Darren at whitespark.ca. It also says right in the how to apply, if you just apply through Indeed instead of emailing Darren directly, then we'll know you didn't read this and it'll be really helpful for us for filtering our, filtering our candidates. So this is awesome because I get like, so far I've probably had about 40 applications for this job and only five of them read this instruction. Most of them are just like, it's like a volume game. They apply to every job that's on Indeed. And, you know, I don't want to waste my time with those people. I want people that actually took the time to read this, decided this is a job for them and they emailed me directly. And so I have three really solid candidates already. And I just posted the job yesterday. And then the other ones, they just go straight to the bin. I don't even look at them. I just archive yeah. them. Awesome. Yeah. Totally agree with you. We always ask like, you know, tell us about yourself, share links to wherever you're creating content or a part of content on the web. And yeah, you get the ones that are just plain, but the ones that actually take the time 
you can see that they're just so much more of a, a qualified candidate. And it, it is amazing to like, if it's a job you really want or you're really interested in, like put in the effort to differentiate yourself, right? It, it blows totally. my mind yeah. that people just fall short on that. Yeah, they don't care. They're just playing a numbers game. They're like, well, if I apply for 100 jobs, I might get two interviews and then one of those could turn into a job. So they're just, <laughs> they're just lazy. Finding a job should not be like a marketing funnel, I don't think. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. And it's like, how are they not a little bit more discerning in what they apply for? It seems like they're like people that just do not have the right skill set that we're looking for are applying for everything, it seems. Yep. Well, that's a, that's a, great, that's a great tip. Include something that knows people care, they want it, they pay attention to detail and, and read things through before they take action. Those are all great pre-interview filters to help you know what you're dealing with. Yep, totally. Uh, also, we signed up with Stripe. We did we did the deal yesterday. So I've been talking to a salesperson over there. So I'm so excited because we're building our new account system. And uh, Stripe just looks amazing. My developers are doing the happy dance all over the place, just getting off of <laughs> PayPal moving over to Stripe and then Stripe billing looks so nice. Did you know they have this feature? Um, this is a tip for all of our listeners. Stripe has a magical feature that will automatically update credit cards that are expiring. They have an agreement with Visa and MasterCard. And let's say your credit card is expiring, then this system, which only costs like an extra 0.4% um, uh, per recurring revenue, will automatically update credit cards that are expiring. So you don't have to chase people with expired cards. Did you know that that was a thing? I didn't. I didn't at all. That is mind-blowing. Right? Holy. I'm so excited about that. So this is, I think it's fairly new, but he told me that and I was like, like scrambling to find a pen so I could sign this contract because, oh my God, that's going to be such a great feature. Yeah. Now there's a few. Uh, my CFO and some of our customer success team members would love to hear that we we run an internal report and that will kind of show us like, all right, he, here's who's failing and we're we're communicating and making attempts. And then they usually get involved with it, a human reach out. And it's only, right, might be anywhere from three to 10 accounts in a month out of thousands that need that. Um, yep. But man, they would love to have that off their their. Uh, plate and some of them turn into cancel billings, right? So um, yep. and there, there's even more of what those are. So wow, that that sounds really interesting. Yeah, look it up. Uh, they got a new feature. I think you're already on it. Yeah, because I, I I recall getting uh, Stripe invoices from your team. So I'm pretty sure that you already have the feature. It's, you just need to flip the switch, maybe. Yeah, no, we're not on Stripe. So oh, you're not. No, we're not. We're we're on PayPal. My condolences. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll see the uh, we'll we'll see as our process. We're just uh, kind of starting in on the you know the billing system stuff decisions. Sure. So m months yeah. down the road, I'll have updates on what that looks like. But that's that's in step. But yeah, the, you know, payment processing might might change for us someday. So All right, well, what do you have updates on? What's new in your world? Yeah, uh, you know, on on the good side of things, really happy. I know I mentioned this in our last episode, but um, our customer success team with bringing in an, a new leader there a couple of months ago is really going great. Um, we've added on to our onboarding process where we used to we do it we did a great job of getting people onboarded and set up, um, but we missed a number of opportunities to kind of uh, be a little bit more uh, consultative and outline things. Um, and then once they got to like 
you know, all right, go. Um, then we just weren't as good as following up and making sure that things were progressing well. We were, we were there if they had questions, but we weren't really leading them. Um, totally. and, and he already in a couple months, um, Taylor has just done a great job of, of putting that together and getting that in motion. And that was just a great example of things I know that needed to be um, done um, but in being too many places and too many things, like it just wasn't an area I could focus and, and I could lead. So I'm super happy with that. Uh, we're, we're getting ready for, uh, we have a couple events in the near future, uh, Minnesota search this week and their summit, which you've yep. spoken at and been at in the past. Yep. it's a great one. Yep. We're a sponsor uh, at that. So excited to talk to all the local agencies and in-house uh, marketers, uh, you know, roughly around 300 to 400 to attend that great one day um, event. And then, you know, we're kind of on, uh, you know, three and a half weeks until MozCon. So really excited uh, about that from every, every aspect. We're a sponsor um, from the biz dev side, seeing so many friends in the industry, yourself included. Like it, it really is just a, a fun three or four days to yeah, get everything wait. together. It's going to be yeah. so fun. You'll be hanging out. Yeah. On the, the sales side, so I, I'm trying to feel better about this. We we did it, uh, extend an offer to uh, a new sales uh, person on Friday. I'll know in the next couple of days um, that they've accepted. I'm, I'm feeling confident that we're able to, you know, kind of meet the needs and we're a good fit for each other. Um, mm-hmm. But I was really, you know, I, I was really trying hard to hire two or three at once and maximize training and get more output and things like that. And I just couldn't find out of the group I was talking to a good second or even a, a third candidate. So sure. a little frustrated. I'm still, you know, I wanted I wanted our outbound sales to be up and running months ago and just hitting stride now. Um, but yet I'm still at the beginning and, and really actually need another body or two for how we're, we're planning to work this. So that, that part's a little frustrating and I go back and yeah. forth between, you know, beating myself up about it and then having to re-motivate to like, it, it's okay. These bumps happen and, and work through them. Hiring sales is so hard. So yeah, I think finding one good person is great. And, you know, you might be able to get into this position where this new person, uh, is just fantastic and that they're able to be the one that trains the next two people. Yep. No, absolutely. Yeah. And then from a, an overall perspective, it's just been a lot of fun. You know, Google's had a number of updates lately. It just seems like they've been on a tear um, still around local and other things, but we're just seeing reputation, you know, and in having a product with, with gather up being related to capturing customer feedback and generating online reviews, like reputation is just the, the easiest way to put it. It is becoming the most visible piece of data about your business. So yep. Yep. Google, you know, just release some things today. If you're Googling phone numbers for a business or an address for a business, like they're attaching uh, reputation call outs um, to all of those simple type of informational services. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, it was uh, Google Q&A, that feature having automated answering that it'll pull up reviews related to the question you're you're being asked. So, right. This shift to consumer, customer generated data in the form of reviews and Google is doing more and more and more with it. Like that's, that's fabulous for us. It just plays into, you know, what we've been talking about and, and we haven't seen maybe these exact things, but um, we are really, you know, it, it feels good to know that it's, it's right in line with what we knew was going to happen. We didn't know how, but we've really figured it would. 
Yeah, and it's just like as I see more and more of these features come on, it's like, oh, Google's squeezing everybody else out. It's like they're just going to become the only review site, it almost feels like. You know, other than first party, yep. it feels like Yelp is going to get pushed out and some of the industry sites will get pushed out. It's just Google is doing such a good job of putting their content front and center and really using their content. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. No, and I don't I don't want to steal any thunder from uh you know, our, our, our co-founder and my friend, Mike Blumenthal, but he's had his, his finger on the pulse of this and you're exactly right with that. And I think at the, uh, local U advanced in Denver in September, I already have seen some of his data and studies, but you're right. It's gone from a dozen review site players to really one review site player. And he has yep. some really interesting data on how it's impacted Yelp and some of the other things. And, um, you know, for us, it even it even pushes more the reason why we say first party reviews really should be treated with a lot of respect and a lot of value. Because if you leave everything, all of those eggs only into Google's basket, like we just yep. think that that's that's just such a huge mistake, and you're missing the boat on so many other things that you can do to both improve your business and market it. So, yeah, is that new feature where they highlight the reviews and then they show the different review sites on mobile? Will it pull first party into those? Yeah, reviews from the web. Yeah. Yeah, yep, it absolutely will. So, okay. yeah, there's a there's just a number of things. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just of the ilk. First party reviews are like the utility knife that a, a marketer really needs to, to focus on because it, it's a tool that you can use where GMB reviews are absolutely visible and, you know, have have a great amount of, of visibility and, and draw to them. Um, but you are just missing out if you don't whip out that you know Swiss uh, army knife that's in your pocket to be able to MacGyver a million things on the marketing side. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, cool. With that, um, we uh, we kind of wanted to talk about a, a podcast. I, I was lucky enough; I had a um, longtime industry friend um, who passed along this, this podcast to me and said, "Hey, I think this would uh, be a, of interest to you." So, thanks, Ed, for passing that along. But uh, it's the the A sixteen Z podcast and. The topic of this podcast was really understanding the, the journey and the stages of being a, a SaaS CEO, right? And the, the, the title of it, and we'll link it in our show notes so you can give it a listen, but it was, you know, what time is it? And it was from being a technical to a product to a sales CEO. Uh, and the, the guest on the podcast was uh, David Ulovich. Um, he founded OpenDNS, um, sold it to Cisco. Um, he's kind of morphed into a few different things. Now he's on the on the VC side. Um, but the, the the high level of it, and where I wanted you and I to discuss it, I sent it your way after after listening to it. Um, but yep. it, it outlined that you know he looked at it as like four stages that every CEO goes through or you know has the opportunity to go through. The, the first stage is more of a technical CEO. You're trying to, you know, build it, get it built. Is it feasible? Do people want it? Um, then the next one you evolve into is being that product CEO. And now you're trying to figure out, do you have product market fit? You're doing discovery with customers that you think you have that with. You're listening to them so you can build the right features and evolve the right way. And ultimately, are you solving those right problems? Then the, the next one is the sales CEO. And once you have that fit, now you're like, great, how do I generate more revenue so I can grow the company, acquire more customers? 
Uh, and then lastly, if you are able to make it out of that is then you're that go to market CEO at the you know higher level. You have a VP of sales and a VP of customer success and all these other things. And you're looking to, you know, how do I scale and accelerate and have all the right pieces so that I can, I can grow this as, as much as possible. Um, yeah. And it, that, that simple, that simple look of it and just building it into four stages was something that really resonated with, with me that I looked at like, Oh, I, I can identify with that. Cause I've, I've gone through, you know, I wasn't a technical CEO cause I wasn't a founder day one, uh, but I definitely came in and had to be the product CEO. And, you know, now I'm transitioning into that sales CEO. For sure. You can see that as you build your sales team and as you personally experiment with some of this outbound sales stuff, like, yeah, you're really into that sales CEO position right now. Does it feel that way to you? Or you're still, you must still though go back to product because you're always on, you know, it's a big touch point. Like what are the new features? How are we solving problems? You know, what are the new problems that are coming up that we want our product to solve? So you kind of jump back and forth, do you know? Yeah, no, I definitely do. I mean, I, I think, you know, if I had to pick one, I'm absolutely in the sales CEO. Um, my, my initial thing, you know, a year and a half ago, um, when I kind of took the reins over is like, um, it gave me more control to get the right features that I felt were missing when I was out doing sales and interacting with customers. And I think we achieved right, right. better product market fit and we're able to do it in a good cycle. Um, but I do, I want to, I want to get to be the go-to-market CEO, the, the, the overseeing and I have, you know, smart people better than me in all of these areas to, to do all, all of the right things. So I, I definitely want to get there. Um, but I do have a, I have a love for what we do and I'm very passionate about the high level vision and problems we're trying to solve and things like that. So I think I'll always have a, you know, a toe in the water over there on, on the product side. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll always want to be the, you know, stuck in the the, the sales cycle, the one generating mm -hmm. the majority of the the bigger accounts. Yeah, I feel like I'm pretty firmly seated right now in the product CEO stage. You know, I I often I'm, I spend a lot of my time thinking about product market fit, trying thinking about features. A lot of the sort of research I do, like I, I'm kind of in the trenches as an SEO still. Like I'm yeah. not. I, I spend a lot of time like, you know, researching SEO things because that's what I'm really passionate about. And so that permeates into the products that we build. And then I'm the one that's sort of reviewing everything that the team is building and, and advising on it and working on design and layout and so and features. So I really feel like I, I spend too much time in the product CEO role and I should have the right people in place that can do that for me so I can move to that next stage. That's sales CEO. This four stages, this podcast is a little bit uh, illuminating for me in like helping to direct maybe where I should be because I love being a product CEO, but in order to grow the company, I think I need to focus more on becoming a sales CEO. So this is this has been super valuable for me to think about it in these terms. Yeah, and that was... A really big, you know, there's one comment that David made in here, right, where he said it's all about making the right decisions for the right time. And I, I feel like you just alluded to that, right, where you realize where you're at and then it's maybe, so what are your options to move out of that, right? Like, do you, yeah. I, I, you need to find a product manager that can take over the product part. And exactly. You, and I got one. Who he is. Yeah. 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 Where you can still influence it and do whatever, but the lion's share of it is off your plate. So you can focus your time on the other. Right. And that's, that's that same progression. When I've looked at a number of these is like, in order to get yourself out of it, you have to 
replace yourself there or, you know, find someone better than you specifically at that. Um, and, and that can be hard too, because it, to some extent you might look at, I mean, do you feel like you, you're better at product than sales and you'd only be doing sales mm-hmm. because the company needs it? Or what does that look like for you? I feel like I'm like, when it comes to doing sales, like if we think about any enterprise leads that come in, I have a much higher close rate. I think because I'm so familiar with the product and the industry, it helps me to come across as very trustworthy, right? People want to hire me because I know what I'm talking about and uh, it really helps to close the sale. So I think there's a great opportunity for me to transition into a sales CEO and then build our sales culture, right? So then start to hire the way it basically get to the position you're, you're at right now. And so and I have a really good guy, Nick. He he is fantastic. He could definitely be the product manager. I have him doing client work right now. And it's like, man, we got to just ditch those clients, bite the bullet, and have Nick become the product manager. And I'll step out of it and uh, spend my time on sales. The, you know what the trouble is? I'm the type of person that uh, I only like to do what I like to do. And so I don't <laughs> love doing sales. And so that, it, I'm just like, sales. Like, Sometimes it's like, I'll have a great sales call. And then it's like, eh, sure, I'll send him a proposal eventually, I guess. Like, I, like, I'm just not good at staying on top of it. And I'm not, I don't get pumped about sales and excited about closing the deal. Yeah. I just want money to come to me that I didn't have to do anything for. I just want to sit back and money just rains in. Yeah. That's, that's what I want. It does sound nice, but maybe that's where you realize like, okay, I actually need salespeople, but they utilize you as an asset. Right. Where, yeah, maybe bring Darren to the call to build trust and answer so many questions. And salesperson Sarah or Sam, they're handling the communication. They're staying on top. They're doing all those things. Right. Like, I, I, I think there's ways to architect that. Oh, my. That's a genius idea, uh, Aaron. I will do that <laughs> because I love the sales call. I love being on the call and chatting with the clients and learning from them. And, and it really helps to inform the product side, too. Yeah. Right. So I do love that. Um, but I don't I don't want to put the proposals and statements of work together and, and go back and forth with legal. No, yeah. thanks. And I don't I don't I yeah. don't mind those things. I do like I love to evangelize our product. I love to tell the story of what we do and show people like just before we started recording today, I just got off a sales call um, and we are taking someone from a, a competitor in the space and we are giving them exactly what they want at a massive cost reduction. Like it's just great yeah, wins across uh, the board. And I love that. I get, I get a high off of winning that deal and, and doing whatever, but you know, I, I've realized over the years and in building agencies, like w- that self-awareness, here's what I'm good at, here's what I'm not very good at, and I need to find people who are good for those other areas. And then even if I like, if even if it, you know, fills fills my tank to participate in those, then participate as long as you're not taking away from it and figure out what can you add to it without missing the gap on all of the other little pieces, right? I, lo- I love being part of product, but if I had to be the product manager and all the detail and writing JIRA tickets and all those other things, like I, I would fail within weeks at that too. Like I'm not a detail, I'm a big vision type person. So you got to understand those things and then figure out how you can add to it and make it work. Yeah, I feel like that's a bit of a lesson for me. I tend to get way too detail-y. I get like really deep and I'm like, make this donut chart slightly thicker. You know, like I'm really fine into the into the details where it's a lot of my time, yeah. right? And so it, this is where a product manager uh, would fill that role for yeah, me. Absolutely. 
One uh, one thing that we talked about when we were kind of comparing notes uh, on this was also understanding in your and I's world of of running bootstrap companies and limited resources, right? That some of this you know seems oversimplified, and it's coming from someone with you know VC experience and yeah. revenue backed startups that's already there to play with it and everything else. But uh, what what's really important is y- you can take from those. You can take from podcasts, from VC and big companies and whatever else, but it's finding the little pieces that you can work into your own framework, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, well, one of the awesome things from this podcast I really liked where he it was he talked about um, laying out your packages and plans. So I love that idea. Like uh, what he suggests is taking your packages and plans and sort of designing them for your different customer profiles. For example... Uh, small businesses, agencies, enterprise, in my case, right? And so they have different needs. And so I can push the different tiers um, based off of those needs. So something, so small businesses are base plan. And then if you want white labeling, well, you have to have the agency plan. If you want enterprise-y type reporting, you need to be on the enterprise plan. And so having those like levers that will push people to the next tier is really smart. And I don't really do that right now. So I definitely took that, but... Yeah, it felt frustrating to be on the podcast to listen to some of those things and think, well, those are all great when you are a CEO that has a leadership team where you can sit back and and be big picture. But personally, as a bootstrap company, I feel like I'm running around answering everyone's questions, right? So all the questions kind of come to me because I am, for the most part, the leadership team. And so... You know, I'm not there yet. I, I don't have the resources to hire a leadership team. And so it is a little frustrating to hear these big picture things, but the, not to say that you can't take so much from it, right? Yeah. Now, understandable when you look at it and there's certain parts where it's like, oh, that they make it sound so easy and this is what you do and you have you know, a lot of room to offer a salary and all, all these other things to, to implement that. Yeah. But for us, all I can say is that that's what's led me, and I've already seen in scaling past businesses how important that was. And and really, in a couple of them, I was one of those pieces, right? I wasn't the CEO, but I was the one tapped to like, okay, Aaron will come in and handle sales, or Aaron will come in and handle yep. the brand and marketing and, and putting this team in place. And what I saw in participating as part of, of of those teams is like, this is really where the company is run, right? Because if everything hits a bottleneck of one person, the CEO or whatever that is, like you just become infinitely limited in in what you can do. But it's hard in those early days where that's all that you have room for is, you know, you're one thinker and a lot of doers, but you need those additional thinkers and leaders within those areas to like, hit those bigger, bigger strides, but it, it's tricky on when to, who's the right one, especially your first one, right? How, how do I find the right person to trust, invest in, and know that they, you know, have, they're in great alignment with what I want to see done with the company? Yeah. Now you're already a, a few steps ahead of me for sure in terms of leadership team. So you've got like, describe your structure right now. So you're a CEO and then like yep. you have a product manager, you have, you now have a sales manager, right? Yeah. Uh, not sales manager. I mean, that's, that's really the last area I need to close. So I have one person that, um, you know, I, 
I do kind of double as VP of product, but we have a product manager that handles all of the day-to-day and communication with our engineering team and all, all those pieces. So um, they, they are pretty much the owner of that area. We have a CFO to own finances, HR, hiring benefits, all, all of that kind of stuff. Um, with yep. the recent hire of a VP of customer success, I have someone that owns that team um, and is, like I said, in 60 days has already had a fabulous impact there. Uh, and then I have someone in head of uh, design that he kind of works with the product manager for all interface design and feature design and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit of a, a tandem there, but you know that really gives yep. me that. And, and sales is that last place where it's like I completely own that right now. We only have, you know, one salesperson on staff. We're trying to bring on a second, um, but I need to get enough bodies and I either need one to emerge as a leader that I can say, Hey, this is yours to own and you need to build goals and you need to train and do whatever else, or I I need to find Mm -hmm. that person. But right now I'm just at the stage where I I just need more allocated to doing sales, even more so than I need a a leader or builder of that area. Interesting. You talking about your structure and all these different people and me thinking about me being that CEO bottleneck, one sort of spark of an idea that that I just had was all these questions that come at me, it's a good exercise for me as a leader to look at that and say, who else could own this question? Mm. Right, Rather than me answering this, who could be the person that can make a decision on these things? And then building up those people within my yeah. team and saying, you know, this is something you can handle and, uh, you know, or a list or thinking about a role of someone that can handle that and then slowly trying to siphon off these decisions. Because what, is, what does a CEO do? They just make decisions all day long, deciding what this should be, that should be. And it's like trying to put other people in positions to make those decisions for the company, I think, is is the key to getting into that stage where... I would be able to focus on being a visionary rather than the person that has to answer every question. Absolutely. And yeah, I don't I don't ever want to be that bottleneck and I don't want to be the only resource too. Like, you know, not, number one, I am incredibly opinionated, right? And sometimes that's a strength um, because I'm going to have a strong opinion and I'm going to do research and get experience to back it up and, and all those different things. It's not going to be, it's not just going to be thrown into the wind. There's a lot to support it. But on the other end of that, sometimes that causes me to just be too stuck in my ways or only viewing it one way. And that's one thing that yeah. I've found by empowering other people and giving them decisions and, you know, then just creating, I think it's really important then to create a communication cycle where, where you're in the loop, but the loop still goes without you, right? So yeah. you don't have to be in it all. And sometimes I hear the decisions and sometimes I'm like, huh, yeah, I wouldn't have done it that way or thought about it, but that totally works. And sometimes it has more success than what I would have dreamed up. And, and there still are times where I'm like, wait a minute, how did that get decided? I think we missed some things and whatever else, but those are just sure. teaching moments then yep. to everyone to talk through it. So the next time that we have that, we can approach it yep. differently. Yeah. And the one thing I learn more and more is that when I am not rigid on my opinion, then, uh, I, often like come around to the opinion of others and realize, you know what, I think you, you make some really good points and that is probably the best direction to go. And so I really try to be uh, open and think about it from the different perspectives. I feel like that's one of the, the primary, you know, uh, 
features of a leader. Like you really have to be able to uh, listen hard and, and listen well and think about what other people are suggesting because that oftentimes will have better ideas than you do. Yeah. What would it look like for White Spark if Darren said, I'm taking the rest of 2019 off? Who would own the different areas and make the decisions and, and whatever else? I think that would be an interesting scenario for you to play through in your head. And then yeah. how, how do you maybe implement some of those or, or start working through some of those things so that you, yeah. you can peel it away? Because I, I find, and maybe you'd find the same, like I need space to think. I can't come up with big ideas or vision or the next partnership or, or whatever else if I'm just so far down in the weeds on little mundane decisions on how many pixels something is. Not, not to say I still don't stick my head down in there, but I, I really shouldn't do that. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm taking the rest of 2019 off. Good idea, Aaron. Thank you. That's it. I'm out. Good luck, White Spark. Yeah, the White Spark team is going to send me some hate mail for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's a really great thought exercise. And to think about like who takes over. Because honestly, I, I go on vacations and I do uh, work hard to disconnect. And the company never falls apart. It runs just fine without me. When I get back, there's some decisions that are, are waiting for me. But you know, I think it does come back to really trying to assign those decisions and empowering people on my team to make those decisions without me and rather than holding the reins on some of these things. So I'm going to really use that, use this as a, as a starting point to, to look for those decisions and say, who else could make this decision instead of me? Yeah. Uh, ultimately, Darren, through those four stages, and you talk about how you're you know, prime that second stage in the product right now, do you ultimately yep. even want to get to the fourth stage? Like, is that, is that where you want to, because I think it's okay too, to look and say like, these things I am, this, this I'm not, I don't ever want to get there. And, yeah. and if anything, someday I might hire a CEO and I just stay, I'm, I'm VP of product, right? Like what, what does that look like for you? I can tell you exactly. When I look at these four stages, this is what I want to happen. I've already passed technical CEO, the, the feasibility, the building of it. We have a pretty good product and, uh, obviously it needs a lot more work. And that's why I'm spending so much time in product in the product CEO stage because of churn. Actually, he, uh, David Ulovich mentioned this on the podcast that if, if you, if you've identified, you know, talking about what time it is, well, right now, what time it is right now, it is fix the product. And that's what we're doing right now. And so when the product is fixed, I think I would love to skip sales for the most part. Like I, I would like the model that you described where I am still on sales calls and I'm thinking about sales and I'm thinking about how to grow sales, but I'm not the person closing for the most part. Um, and then like once the product is is humming and we can scale, then I would love to jump to that go-to-market CEO stage and scale the business like to five, 10, a hundred million dollars. That's, that is my dream. And that is what I want to get in the next, um, you know, Five years. I want to get there. And I think I can get there. And I do think it really comes down to getting the right people in place at those stages. Because once once you get a really good product manager, you don't have to be a product CEO anymore. Once you get an awesome sales uh, director, you don't have to be the sales CEO. And then, then you can really focus on being that go-to-market CEO. And so these four stages are really, it's a really great framework to think about as the leader of a company. And and trying to say, how are we, and then make your plans, right? Plan out, how are we going to get to those stages? And, and where, what do we need to do to, to reach that stage? And, I, and for me, I know exactly what it is. 
uh, for the most part, it'll, it'll evolve over time, but I know how to get there. And so I think our roadmap looks pretty good for that, but, uh, you know, I'll be a product CEO for at least another year, I think. That's, that's a brilliant take. And I think the most important thing when I look at that is just that, that self-awareness, right? Where he even broke down, like, it's really about asking, where are you right now? What, what time is it? You just answered that. And, and where do you want to go? And sometimes, especially when you're so busy in the business, you don't step out and look at a framework like this or see like, what, what type of leader do I need to be? And where do I need to be focusing that, that gets us to the right place? Yeah. And just as you're there right now, I mean, that it's still, you know, as you alluded to, I still have my hand in that a little bit, but we fixed a lot of the things that we needed to have that product market fit where I didn't get my rear end kicked on the sales calls I was on. And even to to some extent, there's a couple more things we're releasing this year, which really takes my confidence to an all time record high. And it, it shows in your sales call. That's if anything, I probably only did the product CEO so heavily just because I knew what I needed to, to sell to be the sales CEO. And I knew if, yeah. if I was going to go into the ring and just get my butt kicked every time, it was going to cra- crash and burn. The product had to be better. We had to shore up some of the gaps and, and we're, we're able to do that. But you, you, have to, you have to realize that. And if you're only doing, you know, if you're not pulling out and looking at it from this level, you're, you're going to miss seeing that if you only look at it in the four or five clear stages, you're not really understanding where you're at. You might not get yourself out of that stage to ever get to the next one. Yeah, exactly. This framework really helps you to see like where you need to focus. Uh, yeah, it's so defeating when I, as a sales, when I'm, when I'm wearing the sales hat with the leads come in, it'll be like, we have 10,000 locations. This is a major company that wants to work with us yep. and we don't have the product for them. This is, this is what I face on a weekly basis, like really great leads that I can't service. And so this is where, this is why I'm a product CEO right now. I'm a product CEO because I have to fix our product so that we have these people are coming to us thinking we have it when we don't actually have it. And so uh, we're building it right now and I, I can't wait to have it so I can sell it to them. Then you just say, yep, here is your contract to sign. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Well, hey, we, uh, as I mentioned, we will link uh, to this episode uh, of that podcast in our show notes. Get, give it a listen. Again, if you're a bootstrap company, most likely you are. That's why uh, you're listening uh, to us as we, we put out episodes. Um, it isn't about mirroring the VC. They're, they're different. All those things are different, but there's just so many you know, great little details and frameworks to, to pull out. And hopefully us talking about where we're at within this you know, four stage uh, of the, the CEO's journey is helpful to you. And hopefully you can take a look at it and figure out uh, your, where you're at in it. Anything you want to communicate on uh, what's coming up or, or next for you, Darren, before we talk again in a couple of weeks? No, nothing big to announce. I'm going to local you this week in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing uh, some of the local you friends, Mike Blumenthal, Joy Hawkins, Joel Headley. So it'd be, it'd be great to see that. That's a great group. Yeah, really great. And I can't wait to hang out with you and the rest of the Get List, uh, the uh, Gather Up crew at MozCon. Man, can't wait for that. It's going to be fun. It'll be a great week in Seattle. And yeah, we'll have to, uh, no matter where we're at in our cycle, we will have to record the, the MozCon in-person episode. Yes. We should actually get that on the calendar so that we 
we know exactly what time we're doing it and we make it happen. Yeah. Something tells me it's going to be somewhere where we can have a beverage in front of us to help with all the conversation and ideas. Yeah. With laptops far away from those. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my wife actually told me I can't do any more uh, jokes on you for spilling the beer. She said I wore that out. So I'm glad you did the joke instead of me. Yeah, I brought it up. Yep. Yeah. So you're off the hook on that one. <laughs> She's the most critical listener of the SaaS venture. So great. It's good to have a critical uh, feedback person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You pass, you pass with flying colors. You know, you're arm's length away. You can do no wrong, but I, I got to work. I got to work on my game. So. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, Darren. Thanks everybody for uh, listening. We're always trying to grow our audience. So writing a review on Apple iTunes would be helpful sharing a, a link to a, one of our episodes on social media or letting people in your mastermind group, your LinkedIn group, out on LinkedIn, anything, we would so appreciate it. We're excited for the hundreds that we reach, but you know we would love to have more. And as always, if you have an episode suggestion or an idea, hit Darren or I up on Twitter and we would be happy to try to work that uh, into our topics and into the upcoming shows. So uh, with that, yep. Darren, have a fabulous time uh, at the local U event coming up. And uh, I'm excited to, to see you in Seattle in July. All right. Yep. You two have a great uh, week. Talk to you later. All right. Take care, everybody. Mm -hmm.